I always do that. Do you know how many I have to edit out? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Welcome to, do you say welcome? (laughs) Uh, thanks for tuning in to, this is, sounds (laughs) tuning in. We're on the radio? I think they're. This is mistress and mistress. This is the most Okay. I think we say this is. This is Mrs. and Mistresses. It's a podcast and you're listening to it. And I kind of like that. That's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm Audrey. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. This week we are talking about somebody that I saw a recent viral tweet about. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, it's not that interesting. It's just people being stupid. Like myself. Uh, this guy's... I should probably... Okay, the tweet goes like this. <laughs> Picasso died in 1973. No one fucking talked to... <laughs> okay, first of all, everyone's illiterate. <laughs> uh, no one fucking talked to me. I thought this man lived in 1500. So apparently a lot of people just thought that he was a much more Damn. historical figure. But yeah, pretty pretty recently. Um, so what year did he die? What was that? 73. 73. Picasso was a dog. Can I just start with that? Yeah, damn. I mm-hmm. had no idea. I kind of thought he was gay. Which, I, I mean, you can be a gay dog, but like... I often confuse Van Gogh and Picasso. Oh. Oh, Van Gogh's gay. No, no, no. <laughs> Van Gogh's not gay. <laughs> no, but it had a much more, like, tame love life. Ah, okay. Um, but also lived less years, so... Yeah, that. so Picasso was a dog. Um, yeah. I'll be covering the wives this week. Some of them or the more serious oh, shit, women wait, in his who life. did you cover? Uh, let's go over oh, this. Oh fuck. Well, Fernanda Olivier. We went over this. No. Okay. I didn't do her. Olga Koklova. Koklova. <laughs> oh, that joke is going to be made later. And Jacqueline Roque. Okay, cool. We're uh, good? Yeah, yeah. I only did two people. Okay. And I have a lot. Yeah, and I think that's fine. We're trying to make these shorter for you and we're already doing a bad job. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna, you're gonna cut a lot, right? Like a lot? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Let's just, so we can just like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a bit of an intro. Do you have an intro? Oh my god. Say I was about, intro? nope. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna go right I in. have some, I actually have a lot of things. I have, I want to go on a little, this might be, speaking of, I'm trying to keep it shorter. This might not happen. Um, I have a little rant because. Okay. Something really struck me when we were going over this. I could probably also say this at the end, but whatever. Um, so, Marina Picasso is one of his granddaughters. She is the daughter of Maya. I wrote a memoir about her grandfather, Picasso, my grandfather. Um, and she says that uh, he needed blood to sign each of his paintings. My father's blood, my brother's, my mother's, my grandmother's, and mine. He needed the blood of those who loved him. Mm. Um, and she did this, like, really great interview with the Paris Review. It's And it was titled, How Picasso Bled the Women in His Life for Art. I just thought that was so beautiful. Um, and, like, even even more fucked up than the, than the bleeding thing. Um, she said that his treatment of... of women like was his whole creative process so she says he submitted them to his animal sexuality tamed them bewitched them ingested them and crushed them onto his canvas after he'd spent many nights extracting their essence once they were bled dry he would dispose of them (laughs) this is his granddaughter yeah talking about his sexual essence yeah isn't that some beautiful shit it's beautiful great writer yeah yeah goddamn so she became a picasso scholar Oh. Yeah. This well, this art um, exhibit that the interview was for, it was in 2017. So she's like a young woman. Right yeah. Um, sweet. Yeah. Uh, and so she curated this exhibit in Paris of portraits that he did of, of his daughter Maya, who's mm. her mother. Because uh, did you do Marie Therese? I no? did not. One of his wives. Um, I'll, I'll mention her because I'm talking about Cool. One of the mistresses. There's so much with Picasso. I know. It was it's really hard. Like, We're cutting a lot out. Yeah. And there, I don't even think that all of our mistresses and wives will even line up because he had so many mistresses and wives. Yeah. She said he's a man of metamorphosis, a com- complex person to grasp. Um, 
And, like, she talks about how the portraits are of the daughter, but he, like, is projecting himself into hmm. this portrait that he's doing of the daughter. So, really, they're more, like, feminine portraits of Picasso. Oh. Like, she just gives a lot of evidence that he is, like, super narcissistic. Um, <laughs> but then, like, this whole exhibit that she made is really, like, touching beautiful portraits of, like, a man painting his daughter. I, like, some people think that Picasso's treatment of women was was positive, because the women in his life, like, enriched his art. And then, in, in turn, he depicted them in loving por- portraiture? Portraiture? Is that a word? Um, I have no idea, but it sure. It is a word. The Paris Review used it. I just okay. can't say it. Um, and and also, like, he had a really respectful relationship with Gertrude Stein. And, like, mm. I don't, he really loved his daughter and painted uh, portraits of her his whole life. So, and I just feel like... Like, obviously, while, while he did have some positive relationships with women, he also cheated on nearly all of his lovers and kind of, like, drove them, drove two of them to suicide. Um, yeah. So, like, showing him in just, I, like, I know we're about to say some fucked up shit about him, but, like, I just wanted to say that showing him just in this light wouldn't be accurate. And, like, I hmm. think we're starting to make a pattern in this podcast of, of portraying people, like, portraying the men that we talk about in, like... Obviously, like, that's the point, is to portray them in a bad light, because they were cheaters. Not necessarily. I mean, Mussolini, yeah, I think we can agree that we can portray him in a bad light. Okay, yes. But there's some not, there's, so. not every man we talk about is inherently just evil to the bone. And that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, even though the topic of our podcast is shitty things that they've done, I just think that it might be important to make a note that, like, people are more complex than just the labels that we sure. give them. Um, like, Picasso was a cheater and a bad husband and a tortured artist, but, like... He, he was all those things, yes, but, like, there there's complexity and nuances to every person, and even the people that we categorize as immoral or, like, inherently bad people still have parts of them that are good, and we probably won't be able to cover that goodness due to our theme, but it exists. And I don't, I, I mean, maybe we haven't brainstormed our mission enough, but I don't necessarily think our theme is to demonize the men we talk about. It's just to talk about, just to bring light to the conversation that, we talk about a lot of men in history, but we don't cover the women in their lives. It doesn't mean the men were necessarily bad or they're the reason why we didn't talk about the women. Sometimes they are, but not always. Yeah, I just think they a lot of times are. And typically, <laughs> scientifically speaking, from my analysis, men ain't shit. Yeah, I mean, according to Picasso, <laughs> all women are machines of suffering. Oh my god, what does that so, mean? So, uh, I might have just misquoted him. I'll get to the quote later. But, um, <laughs> he says some shit very similar to that. And, uh, yeah, I feel like if you focus on the women, you're gonna see how much they suffered at the hands mm. of the men. Okay. So, even though we're not trying to talk about them in a bad light, it's just gonna come up. Um, but the, um, this girl, Marina, his granddaughter, who I was just talking about, um, she put it really beautifully. Um, so just to wrap this up. Uh, she says, perhaps the nuance is to be found in the types of love he doled out. That is, between the type of love that he showed Stein, Gertrude Stein, and certain friends, and the type of love he showed his wives and lovers, like Jacqueline Roque and Marie Tohis. Hmm. So, yeah. Very know. nice. Just, just something to think about for me. Thanks, Marina. Okay. I'm going to hop in. Fernand Olivier is the first woman I'll be talking about today. When she was uh, 19, she married an abusive young guy. Um, then she fled to Paris shortly afterwards. She, she met Picasso in 1904 in Paris and became his model and lover, as you do. So that's uh, going to be a theme. I feel like we're going to keep saying <laughs> you're that. You're going to keep over and over and over that. She influenced his Rose period and early Cubist works. I know nothing of art. So that's also going to be a theme. Do without what you will. Their relationship ended abruptly in 1910 when they were both caught cheating on each other. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. She's the only woman I've heard of cheating on him. Yeah. It was apparently a very kind of tumultuous relationship with lots of side things happening throughout the entire thing. So it kind of dragged on a little too long and they both parted ways. No marriage. Um, no marriage. Okay. Olivier wanted to capitalize on his fame, and she published a serialized memoir in a Belgian newspaper. Picasso offered her a pension to stop publishing, which she accepted. Her career as a model kept 
going on. Um, she modeled for other artists and was actually an artist herself. Um, so during their relationship, I'm kind of going to backtrack a little bit. In 1907, Olivier adopted an orphaned 13-year-old named Raymond. She discovered explicit drawings of Raymond by Picasso mm, and okay. sent the orphan back to the orphanage. Um, and they never spoke of this orphan ever again. That is super fucked up. Super oh, that might be more fucked up. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. This could explain a lot of the tumultuous activity within their relationship. Damn. Um, I so don't anything that juicy. That's pretty juicy. You really blew your that's... load on that one. Jesus. That's very sexual. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're like 13 minutes in and you're out <laughs> here with the teeth. Yeah. Okay. Picasso apparently lost interest in her as he became more successful, and she reminded him of hard times they met early on in his career, mm, so he wanted to, artist. yeah, he wanted to drop that, forget about the struggling times, think of a more successful future, kind of a dick move. Uh, Olivier lost big in the separation, she had to perform odd jobs, that sounds sexual. Is it just my head? Okay. I think it's just your head. Wait, they were married, though? I think they the separation. Yeah. Okay. Domestic separation yeah. situation. I don't, yeah. I guess that's what the case was. She was a cashier. She worked in antique sales. She taught drawing lessons. So she was really doing a lot to just keep herself afloat. Um, but 20 years after their relationship ended, she wrote a memoir called Picasso et ses amis. And the most significant thing about her, I think, maybe not significant, but I think big takeaway is that she was the only of his, the women in his life to know him before he became famous. Hmm. That's important. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Olga Koklova. 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 <laughs> oh no. I just read her name so many times doing research and did not realize that. Yep, you're welcome. So smart. <laughs> I'm really intelligent. She was a Russian ballet dancer born in Ukraine. Fucking amazing. Um, she met a 36-year-old Picasso when he was a designer for her dance company. He created the costumes. They married in 1918, so this was shortly after... He had separated from Olivier in 1912. They moved to France together and had a son named Paolo. Um, this was his, his first wife, in case you missed that. Um, she encouraged Picasso to take on more realistic ideas in his art to kind of stray from the abstract work he did. Um, and their relationship wasn't successful either uh, which is why there are several more minutes of this podcast and <laughs> he was caught cheating in 1921 so after she met picasso she left her ballet group and stayed in barcelona with him uh she met picasso's mom who was alarmed that he married a foreigner um <laughs> picasso meanwhile he lived like most of his life in another country exactly okay. whatever picasso i mean married i am not excusing it but it's different than living in another country. Anyway. Picasso drew a picture of her as a Spanish woman to appease his mom. <laughs> I just think that's really funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, how, like, I, I don't know. Um, I know you're looking at her right now. She's Russian. But... <laughs> and then they moved to Paris together. This is kind of a random side note. She had a foot injury right before they got married so she could never dance again. They lived in a wealthy neighborhood together in Paris. Picasso was criticized widely for this, I guess because of his upbringing, and I don't know, I kind of... Is, oh, is Picasso for money? No, he. I think he had a pretty poor upbringing, or at least when he just kind of went on his own to do art, it, it wasn't lucrative at first. So Olga went to the south of France and filed for divorce. Oh, um, okay, so they do finally get divorced. And then he officially marries yes. Marie Therese. That's what happened. Ah. Yes. You're welcome. There you go. Figured it out. Um, but during the divorce, Picasso refused to divide his property, aka his paintings, 
evenly with her, obviously. It was French law to divide your property evenly with your divorcee. Damn, that's fucking nice. Is that still the rule? It's gonna get divorced in France. <laughs> um, so they were legally bound until her death. That's he what it is that I was to get, get divorced. Oh. She died in, in 1955 from cancer. So what happened here was when she moved to the south of France, she, even though legally this never happened, but like just let's pretend legality doesn't matter. Sure. She goes to the south of France. She's no longer the wife. Marie-Therese is now the wife. Mm. And then Dora Mar becomes the mistress. Whereas mm. before it was like, she really Olga was filled the wife. In those positions he had two quickly. wives. And then, yeah, they were all at it's one a quick time. turnaround yeah. time. Picasso's mom told Olga, Olga, with my son, who was created just for himself and for nobody else, a woman can't be happy. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Um, <laughs> after they got divorced... She wrote him angry letters with portraits of Rembrandt or Beethoven saying he'd never be as good as them. <laughs> but um, her grandchildren never recalled her ever speaking ill of him. So she she directed her anger just at him, but apparently was just like... I mean, that's good, I kindly. guess. <laughs> I yeah. guess. I Very convoluted. And... Can we talk about what the mom said again? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yep. Is everyone a not woman created for happy. themselves? I mean, that, that, it, dude, that <laughs> poetry. That says so much about why he's a piece of shit, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. That's I don't horrible. know. It's... That kind of, like, horrible mothering where, like, the, the male child is just, like... <sighs> it's hard because he was a grown man at this point. Like, this is not him talking about her son as a child this is him this is her talking about her son as a grown man seeing his second marriage yeah you can't blame everything on your parents and also it speaks to a level of internalized misogyny on Mm. on her part sure to a ridiculous extreme yeah but i mean like clearly some of how he he was raised to think of himself in that way maybe who know i don't know i don't know if maybe this her perception of picasso changed over time Mm. Mm. maybe she's looking back on it yeah yeah this was near the end of it's Olga's not condemning life. enough for my taste, but <laughs> it's fine. I guess it's his mother. Oh, God. Okay. So, during her the, the, the final years of Olga's life, she uh, contacted Suzanne Ramier, yeah. who was working with Picasso in a pottery shop. Um, she wanted to see him, but he refused. Um, little background on this woman. She's awesome, and I would love to take more time to talk about her, but she's not really topical here um but she got picasso into pottery in the first place um he partnered with her and her husband's studio they actually didn't fuck like for once picasso didn't fuck a woman okay so she falls into the third category i find it so interesting that there's like we were talking about this before we started recording but there are women that are wives there are women that are mistresses and there it's like this third category of of woman who is like kind of like portrait stein yeah yeah who are like their friend who like they really respect and like it's unbelievable that you can, like, be a friend with a woman without fucking her. I mean. I just find it so <laughs> interesting because they, they fuck the other ones, but they don't really love them. But then, mm. like, the ones that they don't fuck, that, that they, they have love, an admiration it's for. like they clearly, they, meaning. Maybe it's some patriarchal <laughs> idea that sex makes someone dirty. That's what I was just going to say. I think it speaks more to the man's fucked up relationship yeah. to sex yeah. than. Yep. Damn, that's uh, oof, that's a Madonna whore. That's yes. like more than a Madonna. What's what is the third one? You have a Madonna, a whore. What's yeah? What's the third thing? Yeah, a friend, I guess. A bro, one of me. Okay. I also wanted to mention her, Suzanne Ramier, because she was born and educated in Lyon, ah, which hey. is where Audrey and I met. Which sounds so much more romantic. Okay, so continuing with Roke editing, Sarah. <laughs> Um, she was in 400... Hey, editing Sarah. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. Oh, God. <laughs> Make a bottle in. <laughs> she uh, was in 400 fucking portraits. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Damn, that might be the record. So, just get this perspective. This timeline in perspective. Mm-hmm. She was born in Paris in 1927. Okay? Do you remember the dates I was throwing out earlier? By 19... Well, yeah, I did this too because one of my people is really young. Yeah, by 19... 
by the 1920s, he was already married. And yep. and mistressing. Bizarre. <laughs> Surreal. Um, a little background about her childhood. Her father left when she was two years old. Her mother died when she was 18, so pretty rough. Um, she married an engineer and had a daughter, and they moved to Africa together for his work. Hmm. She returned after four years and divorced him. I don't have a lot of details on that. There were, like, people in the Wikipedia article literally writing to each other about disagreeing on facts. It was so bizarre. It's not the first time this comes up. I have things that people disagree on, too. Yeah. Um, she began work at Madura Pottery in Valaris, where she met Picasso. And yeah, he was a 71-year-old dude. <laughs> um, he, it apparently took, at least it took a while for him to seduce her. Um, it took six months. He drew a picture of her house, which is terrifying, in my opinion. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Could you what is the modern day version of that? I mean, if somebody did that today, that would be just fucking weird. I, Even I feel if like, it was Picasso. Yeah. It's fucking weird. I mean, I don't know. If that's what he's known for. It's just so weird. I don't know. You gotta think about it as if you were... Because she is an artist, right? You just said she worked yeah. at a pottery place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You have to think about it as if, like, what is what is the thing that you love most? I suppose. And then you find a person who is, like, the master at that thing. You'd probably overlook a lot. Well, let me finish. He also brought her one rose per day... For six months. Okay. (laughs) Until she agreed to date him. (laughs) I'm sure there are women out there that find that to be just the sweetest thing in the world. (laughs) I'm worried about them. They they got married in 1961. So, Picasso dies in 1973. As we heard from that tweet. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Good, good callback. Roque prevented Picasso and Guillaume's children from attending his fucking funeral, which is terrible. Um, she wait. Roque prevented who? Picasso and Guillaume's children. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, I understand. Yeah. Um, There's a lot going on with that situation, but yeah. Before her death, and how long were they together? Did you say that? They met in nineteen. She was like ten. Okay, 1953 sounds more accurate. Um, they got married in 61. And then he died in 72. Yeah. Um, Roque kills herself in 1986. Before she did so, she confirmed that she would be at present at an upcoming exhibit for Picasso's work in Spain, and she never showed up. And those are the women that I have covered. Damn. Damn is right. So, I'm covering Dora Marr, who he cheated on. He had he had a child with, with Marie. Olga moved to the south of France. Marie, now he was like the main wife. And then, while he was with her, he met Dora. So, a little bit of background on Dora. She was born... Her real name is Henriette Theodora Markovic. Hmm. Uh, she has a really Catholic French mother and a Croatian father. Um, she moved to Buenos Aires for a little bit because her dad had to go there for work. And then she came back to Paris in 1926 and started using the, the pseudonym Dora Mar. Uh, and then she went to art school. Um, she went to a lot of art schools, but like most notably she went to École de Beaux-Arts, um, which is really fancy art school in Paris. Hmm. Um, she worked in a workshop with famous surrealist artists, and then when it closed, she moved alone to Barcelona and then to London, where she photographed the effects of the Great Depression. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, I don't, do they, I don't know if they call it the Great Depression internationally. I don't know if that's a thing. But they after the stock market the crash. Crash. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Nice. I don't know if they, like, in London were calling it the Great Depression, but basically after the stock market crash in 1929, the whole world was in the Great Depression, whether they called it that or not. Um, so she photographed, like, a lot of poverty. Um, and then she came back to Paris, and she was able to work, open her own workshop with the help of her father, so she, like, kind of came for money, because um, her, her father was wealthy enough to help her open her own workshop, and she was wealthy enough to be an artist. Um, 
she mostly did advertisements and fashion photography and then like some film work um she was like mostly a photographer but also a painter um she got her first thing in print in 1932 uh and she was like mostly a surrealist but she participated in a lot of really big like important sounding events mm -hmm. i don't know anything about art but um, she was in the Exposition Surrealiste d'Objet at the gallery Charles Raton in Paris, and she was at the International Surrealist Exhibition in London, and she was in the Participants in Fantastic Art, Data, and Surrealism at, the, at MoMA in New York in mm. 1936. So this is like Sweet. hot times for surrealism, and she was there. Um, yeah, she so surrealist concepts and the interests of them often aligned with ideas of the political left. So she became really politically active at this point in her life. Also, since 1936, a lot of people are becoming really anti-fascist. Mm. Um, so she was with that movement. And she kind of was already pretty political with the Depression photography. Yeah. Um, Sweet, I like her. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, so then in 1935, she was filming. She was working on the set of a Jean Renoir film. And she saw Picasso there. She was captivated by them, but they didn't actually, like, formally meet. This writer named Paul... Paul Elard. He knew Dora through the, like, surrealist, uh, I don't know, scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was a writer. Uh, he introduced them because she, like, kind of told him that she was into Picasso and, like, introduced me to him. And so then they were at the Café de Domingo. And that's, like, a famous meeting spot in Paris for a lot of famous artists and, and writers, um, mostly surrealists. Like, that's what it became famous for. Now it's, like, a tourist trap, but, like, hmm. it's, it was known for being a place that a lot of famous writers met with their friends and stuff. Um, and so that's where she was introduced to um, to Picasso. And this writer, Jean-Paul Crespel, was was there when they met and he uh he he's like super interesting he he basically chronicled the lives of all these artists who hung out in um in this in these neighborhoods of paris like montparnasse at this time um he just like spent his whole like writing career just like writing about the artists because mm. i guess they would they i mean they did live really interesting lives um so he wrote this is kind of long i'll try to be quick um he wrote the young woman's serious face lit up by pale blue eyes which looked all the paler because of her thick eyebrows a sensitive uneasy face with light and shade passing alternatively over it alternately over it she kept a small pointed pen knife between her fingers on, into the wood of the table she kept like driving it into the table sometimes she missed and a drop of blood appeared between the roses and embroidered on her black gloves Picasso would ask Dora to give him the gloves and would lock them up in a showcase that he kept for his memories. Uh, what? Yeah. Why doesn't anybody talk about me like that? <laughs> no way. This why? isn't even the guy that was in love with her. This also, is just an why observer. Does, uh, yeah, why, why do you all know how to articulate things so well? Okay. I know, it's really beautiful. Again, Jesus. Um, so she obviously had like a little bit of a masochistic nature to her. Um, what do you mean, obviously? Because she's stabbing herself with knife. Oh, oh. I thought that was some weird figure of... Okay. No, so she's like... That, that was very artistic. If, literally, what was happening was she was sitting at the table, meeting Picasso for the first time. Maybe she's a little nervous. She's like, you know how you fidget with your hands when I you're nervous? Yeah. She has a pen knife in between... She's wearing gloves because it's I, I guess I just 30s. didn't know what a pen knife was. I'm not sure either. I think it's like one of those old-fashioned pens where you dip it in the ink, so it's a little sharp because you're dipping it in the ink and then writing on the paper. She has something sharp in her hands. She's wearing gloves, and she's like yeah. pushing the the right. sharp thing between her fingers on into the wood. So really, she's driving into the wood like nervously, but it accidentally slips and hits her in in the in the fingers through the gloves, and so you see the blood come through the gloves because she's poking herself every once in a while. I love her. Yeah. So Picasso was very attracted to her seductiveness, her masochistic nature. Um, she also, like, so at the time, Picasso was with Marie-Thérèse, and they were married, and, well, they were together, and had a kid together, and during this period, before he met Dora, he was, like, actually a really loving husband and father mm -hmm. to, um, to Maya, the child, and that's the exhibition that we were talking about in the beginning where, like, he does all these portraits of her, and he does portraits of her throughout her life. Like, he is actually, like, a, a close to her, which he wasn't with his other children, which we'll get to, but, um, 
he, like, had this very small period of time where he was, like, a good husband, and then he met this woman, mm. and she just, like, set him off, I guess, and he was back to his, his old ways. Um, back on his bullshit. Yeah. Um, so Picasso never broke up with Marie-Thérèse, but, like, Mar just, like, challenged him in ways that, that she didn't, that, that Marie didn't. She was political, intellectual, stubborn, and she was an artist. Mm. Um, she, <laughs> she was an artist, so can't really compete with that bitch. I mean, you really can't. Not when you're dating Picasso, yeah. I guess. It's kind of a prereq. Yeah. Also, I mean, once you have his his child, then you're just the Madonna. Like, yeah. she's obviously the whore here. Um, so they experimented with, they like, um, uh, Dora and Picasso experimented together with collaboration of photography and painting, which is really cool. Um, his art reflected her influence on him. He started using, this is a quote from... Review. I don't know anything about art, but um, his use of harsh angles, deconstructed shapes, and bold colors was from her influence. I don't know if that's because her art is like that or because she is like that, but uh, that's really interesting to me. Like, not, at this point, not only were women his muses, but he actually got some stylistic techniques from her because yeah. she was an artist. That's cool. Yeah. Did he credit her? No. Of course not. Um, so he produced Weeping Woman in 1937. <laughs> Yep. Um, you can look it up, but if you want to look at it, it's right here. Hot. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's pretty famous. Um, it was a political statement, and he used, but it's like, it's Dora, but it's also a political statement, because she was, she like embodied the suffering of the world at that time. Oh. That's how he saw her, because he was very inspired by the Spanish Civil War, like, it's his country, a lot of shit was going down, um, and... I feel like it's weird to say that you're inspired by a war, but he was. It was his country, so... Sure. Okay. Um, so he kind of used her to represent this character of, like, the world suffering during this, like, you know, That's pretty cool. chaotic time in history. Um, and this was used in a lot of different drawings and paintings, and she didn't like it at all. She wrote, you know, way afterwards, later in life, she wrote, All portraits of me are lies. They're Picassos. Not one is Dora Mar. Huh. So, Yeah. Interesting. She, yeah, she like had a kind of she had a lot to say because she was an artist. Um, <laughs> I feel like she's a little bit more like maybe it's also because she's was a mistress and not mm. a wife, but it, she was a little bit more like she talked back a little more. It seems. Okay. Um, cool. She also there's this really famous painting uh, from Picasso called Guernica. Oh, it's Spanish. Um, it's a war themed oil painting. And it's very famous, and she is well-known because she captured, like, with photography, she captured the stages of him doing this painting. Oh, um, that's yeah. awesome. Which, like, art historians thought was really cool. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he physically abused her uh, uh. a lot. Um, yeah. So I have my notes broken up into um, the person's early life, when they met Picasso, how he used them for his art and then how he psychologically damaged them. Oh, and then I have God. the after. This is how he psychologically damaged her. Um, he physically abused her, like, a lot. I couldn't really get information on that, but I'm sure we can all assume what happened. Um, and also, their relationship was, like, full of jealousy and, like, psychological mm -hmm. torment. Um, he would pit Mar and Marie-Thérèse against each other. And, like, a lot of sources contradict this, so we're, like, not really sure if... Okay, so... Once uh, Marie-Thérèse and, and Dora met accidentally in his in Picasso's studio while he was painting Guernica, the painting that she was capturing pictures of, and when he was asked about this later in life, Picasso allegedly remarked that he had been quite happy with the situation because when both of the women, like when his wife ran into his mistress, basically, he demanded, they demanded that he choose between them. And he told them that they'd have to fight it out themselves, at which point the two women began to wrestle. <laughs> Sorry, kind of cool. <laughs> the art historian and friend of Picasso, John Richardson, says that the story wasn't true, and that both mm. Dora and Picasso told him that it never happened. And, oh. there's, and there's no direct evidence that it ever did. More likely, the event is imagined from the pictorial representation of Walter and... Walter is Marie-Thérèse right. and Mar, who appear as if in battle on opposite ends of the composition of Guernica. Yeah, so... I mean, that's what I would have envisioned as well. I kind of like that idea, but... Is it his narcissist imagination, or is it real life? Either way, it's really fucked up. It's just your narcissistic imagination <laughs> running away with you. 
anyway. um, title of the podcast? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Narcissistic imagination. Wow. Um, yeah. Got super fucked up. Um, yeah. So this relationship went on for nine years. Mm-hmm. Never broke up with his wife. She just stayed with him anyway. He was, like, really fucking famous at this point, so, like, I guess. Whatever. Um... In 1946, Mara and Picasso had finally, like, officially gone their separate ways. Um, But before, just feel like this should be mentioned, um, Picasso wrote a play. Whoa! Didn't know this. Um, It was put on with, I think, Albert Camus helped him write the play. And then she played the, Dora played the lead in the the play when they, like, did it. They, like, had a reading of it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, then after that they broke up, finally. Um... This caused Mara to have a nervous breakdown and become a recluse. And during this time, Paul Elard, so we're going back to the person who introduced yeah. um, her to Picasso. Maybe he, like, felt bad because, like, during this time when she was, like, having a breakdown, uh. he introduced her to Jacques Lacan, who helped her get electrotherapy treatments during her oh. nervous breakdown. Thanks, Paul. But, like, these were for- forbidden at the time, and, like, he thought it was going to help her, and, like, she kind yeah, of thought was she was going crazy. So, yeah. So, like, he helped her. Um, and Picasso bought her house in Merneb, which is really pretty, like, countryside outside of Provence. So she, she also moved to the south of France after being <laughs> like, I guess this will make up for the emotional <laughs> yeah. turmoil. I'll buy you a house in the south of France, That's just fine. like old guy. Sure. You know? I um, wish all of my actors Were they neighbors? Like, what? Part of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? That's fine. <laughs> buy me a house in Provence, you can do whatever you want to me. Exactly. Um, so she retired there, and she lived alone, and she... Going back to her mom being really Catholic, she turned to Roman Catholic, Roman Catholicism, uh, making her famous statement, after Picasso, only God. Oh. That took a turn. <laughs> so, yeah, she got electroshock therapy and then turned to God. That's such a badass statement. I don't agree with it, but it's really cool. God. Could you imagine being so cool that somebody says that, at, at, like, about you? <laughs> I'm sure I'd be super depressed if I was that cool. I think that mm. seems to be the... Do you think Picasso's super depressed? I think he's empty. I think he's got something mm. broken about him that oh, he needs God. to do all you this. Oh, God, you would fall right for him. Oh, I would. You and... broken, broken boy, let me fix you. Et tu pas pensé. Okay. Um, yeah, God, he's an artist, and he's oh, broken, yeah. and You're speaks, like, two languages. Jesus. Weak. Ugh, okay. Um... So now we're going to go to Francois Guillot, who we talked about before. Um, she was born in rich Paris suburbs in 1921. Super fucking young. I mean, your girl was even younger. She was born in 1927. Um, Jacqueline. But her father was like a strict businessman. Uh, her mom and her grandmother were both artists, hmm. um, which is super interesting. Um, and they tutored her in art from a young age. She got her B.A. in philosophy from the Sorbonne. Oh. She got her master's in English at oh. the Cambridge. Oh. And then she studied to be a lawyer at the British Institute of Paris. What? Uh, she would skip law class to go make art. Okay. I love her. And she kept dropping out and then going back because her dad really wanted her to be a lawyer. She kept doing this, like, over and over again. And then she finally passed the written but not the oral exams of to be a lawyer, like, of mm. the bar. Um, and then she started doing art full-time at age 21. Wow. At age 21, Guillaume met Picasso. And he was 61. She was 21. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So Picasso first saw Guillaume in a restaurant in the spring of 1943. He was there with Dora. Perfect. <laughs> Dora was obviously devastated that she was being replaced by a younger woman. Yeah. Neither of them were his wife, though, can I just say. Can we just talked about insane. that? <laughs> uh, Picasso was already super famous at the time, even more so than when he met Dora, so... Mm-hmm. The whole thing moved really quickly. Picasso eventually persuaded Françoise to abandon her family and move in with him. At once, she became his student, his partner, his assistant, and then the mother of their two children, uh, Claude and Paloma. His dick be working. Sorry. So, ways that he used her for his art. Um, he painted La Femme Fleur, the oh. flower woman. Um, really famous. Uh... It, like, shows her just mark history shit here. Uh, <laughs> Insert art history knowledge. <laughs> All right. Uh, I took intro to art history. Um, oh, you're set. <laughs> she's, like, it's basically her as a flower, but her limbs are, like, really, like, stems. So they're really skinny. And then she has, like, two circle tits. Sure. 
So imagine that or just Google it. I'm imagining it. <laughs> just Google great it. Great detail. <laughs> okay. It's so strange though because you think of like being in love with this famous artist and he like draws a portrait of you and it's called the flower woman and you think it's going to be like all beautiful. It's like not actually that flattering. I don't know. If you like go look at it as like a... I'm guessing it's not that. <laughs> no, I have it. I have it right I, here. I'm posting this to our Instagram so you can see what I thought Flower Woman was. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> That's great. It's triggering, honestly. Okay. Why would, that, why would that be the first thing? There's a lot of bullshit right that's here. popping up. This is the real one. Nope. 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 This. Oh, I like that a lot. So it's really it's, pretty. But it's, it's not weird. like what you'd think of when... I mean, it's yeah. classic Picasso, like, weird. Fucking. Yeah, it's weird. Um, oh, but also, like, the most famous Picasso... Um, this is not going to be very specific. Uh, oh, this. Yeah. This one, like, everyone knows this painting. Um, reclining reclining Woman, it's called. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone knows it. That's Mermito Hes. Okay. Yeah. Hot. Shit. So he painted La Femme Fleur, and then... Uh, Henri Matisse wanted to meet Guillot after this um, because the painting was so oh, nice. Oh, Matisse. Yeah. Oh, Matisse, yeah. the Matisse. Yes, like the Henri Matisse, yeah. Um, he And then he painted a portrait like in competition with Picasso because he liked Guillot too. He painted uh. a portrait of her where uh, her body was pale blue and her hair was like leaf green and like... She's like, why the fuck can nobody just draw me? I know, right? <laughs> just Everyone one guy. God damn it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, from the, like, tell-all book that she wrote after they broke up, it seems that, like, she influenced him more than he influenced her. She was a really talented artist, and she, like, had a profound effect on his art. Amazing. Um, yeah, I can't really talk about specifically how, because I don't know anything about art, but we'll just, just focusing on the social. It was profound, believe us. It was profound, yes. I'm sure someone else could... Explain that better to you. Um, psychologically, though, uh, he also damaged her, besides damaging her career by sucking up all of her art potential. Um, mm, good. He, Gilo was often harassed on the streets of Paris by Olga. Oh, shit. I remember Cockleva. Yeah, Cockleva. Really, um, and then Picasso himself also physically abused her, so this is a trend now of him abusing everyone um didn't know he went that far yeah um he didn't do that to my woman as far as i could research he did he, might, to, he may have he did it to Marie therese and these two women too yeah i've read about a lot of physical abuse um, motherfucker i mean that's also who's talking about it you know True. could have done it and just, they just didn't talk about it exactly um, yeah yeah a lot of these all three of the well no not dora but the other two women Marie therese and um Francoise, they wrote, uh, like, books afterwards. So, like, that kind of okay. gave them an opportunity to, like, yeah, set it on the record, I guess. Sure. Um, so she says in this interview that she did with the New York Times, um, by the way, she did this interview last year because she's 91 and still whoa! alive. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. She's going to be on our podcast coming up after the break. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, okay. Holy you were going to speak to her in French? Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't care. I would pretend like I knew exactly everything she was saying. I would be embarrassed kiss to her speak feet. to her. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so she said, I think I love Pablo as much as anyone can love someone else, but the thing he reproached me with later was that I never trusted him. Mm. He may have been right, but it would have been hard for me to feel otherwise, since I came on stage with an unavoidably clear vision of three other actresses who have tried to play the same role, mm. all of whom had had all of whom had fallen into the prompter's box. Hmm. Wow. God. Beautiful. Can everybody stop Just in an interview. Like, it. what? You're obviously an artist. Oh, my God. Um, so, obviously, here she's referring to Olga, Marie, and Dora. Yeah. And, yeah, I, how beautiful is that? Very. And she's also the only one to walk away from this. Hmm. Like, not be broken up with and move yeah. to the French. She's the only one to walk <laughs> away. <laughs> Which is so beautiful. Um, yeah. Hmm. She... Uh, she has noted since their breakup that, um, her, uh, Picasso just eventually met the other woman you were talking about, Jacqueline, and they broke up. Um, yeah. Even though she had his two children. Um, she never really was able to become successful as an artist, uh, mm-hmm. because her relationship to Picasso did her a great disservice. 
she said that um, no one would buy her work afterwards. Everyone who was friends with Picasso, who was everyone in the art world, would, would not buy her work after they split up. Wow. Um, yeah. Fuck. So after 11 years of their separation in 1965, Hilo wrote Life with Picasso. It sold over 1 million copies in dozens of languages, uh, but a lot of critics said a lot of really shitty things about it. In French, they called it a succès de scandale, like a, a successful scandal or a scandalous okay. success. Like, it, it was only famous because it was a scandal, basically. Mm. Only was successful Sucks. because it was a scandal. Um, and the book doesn't diminish his art. It actually, like, like uh, exalts, is that yeah. the word? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it really talks about how, what a great artist he was. Yeah. She was so close with him. They were together for a long time. Not um, like Olga... You'll never be as good as this yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Like she was, she was genuine in, in yeah. praising his art. Um, but it's in its own way, it presents a man. This is from the New York Times article that she did. In its own way, it presents a man who could be remarkably self-absorbed and cruel to those closest to him. Mm-hmm. She writes about how Picasso told her that women are machines for suffering. <laughs> okay. I still uh, don't understand if I should be offended. I think I should, but I don't no. know exactly what he means. Wait. Then he also, he warned Gilo of his feelings once more. She, like, is saying, like, you know, he warned me of this. He obviously wasn't a warning, but she was saying I should have took this as a warning. For me, there are only two kinds of women. Goddesses and doormats. Okay. Yeah. What about that thinking? Oh, fucker. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, he sucks for that one. Um, so okay, frustrating. this is very on on topic. Then I'm gonna read you part of the the interview that was given to the New York Times. Bring it. Um, the interviewer says, "Do you think one has to be in order to be a genius, in order to be a great artist? Do you have to behave in the way that Picasso did?" No. Look at Jim Carrey. He's an angel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, Francoise says, uh, "I mean, this is obviously translated French, so it's a little bit doesn't really fully make sense." Um, but bear with me. Um, well, he was selfish, but more so 10 times because he thought he was 100 times better than any other. That's why he was a hundred times more egoist, like a selfish egoist. Um, can you be a good artist and not be selfish? No. Well, selfish is the wrong word, first of all, because an artist should have a big ego. It's a normal thing. Okay. Says the interviewer. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Okay, says the interviewer, because <laughs> because what he has to deliver is his own personality, as well as the relationship of his personality to the world at large. An artist cannot answer to the question of the people about I don't know what. His He answers about his own questioning of the truth. So I think, like, it's translated weird, but I think that, like, yeah. what, he, what she's trying to say is that, like, because it's the artist's job to deliver his personality and his own connection to the truth of the universe and his, his, the relationship between his personality and the world, mm-hmm. because that's such an inherently egoist thing to do, the artists have to be, have to have a big ego. She says that selfish isn't the right word, just had, they have to have a big ego. And that's like, I've asked myself that question before. I mean, like, is it not inherently selfish or, and egotistical to be an artist? Yeah, I think, but I don't think selfishness or even having a big ego makes you a bad person. I think he had a big ego and was also a bad person. Mm, interesting. You think you can have a big ego and not be a bad person. Yeah. That's... Mm. I think that a lot of people can have a big ego and hate that about themselves. They can be like, I'm so obsessed with myself. It's so frustrating. Or at least be aware of at it. At least be and, aware. And, and yeah. you know, try not to. And I think, especially if you're a artist, like a visual artist that takes so much perseverance and mm. like just I mean first of all a technical and like yeah. dedication to learning your craft and constantly be painting yeah. but then also I mean a lot of times you have to survive through a period where you're super fucking poor and, and it's like so raw too you're yeah. putting out this imagery that comes from your head that anybody yeah. can just shit on but that is totally originally yours in, in Picasso's case at least I mean yeah. I think he was inspired by people but what he did really had never been done before yeah to have the bravery to do that yeah. and and to have the tenacity to continue keeping on even though you're not famous yet and you, you have you, to be none of your work means bold. shit you have to think that this is so important yeah you have to think that what <laughs> yeah. you have to say to the world is so important yeah and that's what egoism is yeah. right like yeah you can't be somebody that's kind of like neither here nor there about mm-hmm. something you're about gonna have you some are. strong opinions yeah. that are gonna offend a lot of um, people 
But, uh, so let me tell you one more shitty thing you did, and then we can be done. Um, Perfect. Okay, so this book came out in, so remember you were saying how Jacqueline uh, forbid Francois and Picasso's children to come to the funeral. Yeah. Well, he already stopped speaking to them. In 1965, he stopped speaking to them after this book came out. His children and Guillaume? No, Picasso stopped speaking to his children. Okay. And also to Guillaume, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. He refused to see their kids ever again for the rest of his life uh, because she released the book and then Picasso attempted to stop its publication, but the, the like legal challenge was unsuccessful and so she was still able to publish it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so not only did she get really bad criticism, like people said horrible things about her, but also he stopped speaking to his children. And yeah. Claude Picasso uh, tells told a newspaper in 1996... We tried and tried to see him. My father was locked away in his house. He didn't answer the phone. Wow. So my sister and I went separately together every year, two or three times or more. You have to realize we didn't live in the south of France, and his house was isolated. It wasn't easy without a kid for a kid without a driver's license to get there. Wow. So like, his, like poor kids are going out yeah. of his way to see him, and he just never, yeah. ever saw them again for the rest of their lives. Jesus. Um, That's crazy. So, Françoise used, used all the profits from the book to help her children mount a case to become Picasso's legal heirs because he wrote them out of his will. God damn. Yeah. Um, so, Richardson, who I've talked about a lot of times already, um, he was Picasso's biographer, but he also wrote a really bad review in the New York Times about her book. Um, just last year, right yeah. before he died, um, he became friends with Guillaume. They never met each other because um, he started being like Picasso's biographer after yeah. they broke up. Um, but he always thought that like you know she's a bitch because she wrote this oh. like you know. And then they met and they became friends. Yay. And he said last year before he died, Picasso's biographer said um, that Guillaume was more of an influence on Picasso than the other way around. Wow. And cool. yeah, last year she gave an interview to the New York Times at ninety-seven years old, saying she still does not regret anything. Oh damn. Yeah. She yeah, really sweet. Oh, I'm so happy we ended on a happy note. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to. I tried. Cool. A lot of depressing shit in here. Well, that was Picasso. And that wasn't Picasso. That was the women in Picasso's lives. Yeah. Life. Badass. I mean, he really he really knew how to pick them, you know? Yeah, he really did. He had good taste. If nothing else, we can yeah. say that. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, um, don't date artists. <laughs> if you can take away anything from this podcast don't date a fucking artist and also all art is problematic to consume so just don't worry about it and like whatever you like oh god yeah that's how we're gonna end this okay cool I don't know I've been thinking about R. Kelly a lot <laughs> <laughs> I really like Ignition Remix but I know it's so bad <laughs> I'm sorry R. Kelly's been on my li- mind a lot lately. <laughs> okay. Have you watched the documentary? I haven't. I'm not gonna. I will if I need to. Yeah, I'll, okay. For the people listening, I'll watch it. I'm not really gonna watch it. <laughs> I'll definitely say informed. No, I won't. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. Check us out on social media. We haven't posted anything really yet, but oh, we're yeah. working on Chase it. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna post this flower picture, though, because it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's surrealism. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Au revoir. Au revoir. Oh, cute.